Welcome to episode four of The Pocket. Today we're going to be talking about the gymnastics season, the four new SEC coaches, and the national champions. It's Madison, it's Parker, and this is The Pocket. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. What's up? Here we are, episode four. Got some big stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. We sure do indeed. Uh, been a kind of a big week, sports-wise, so uh, we got some stuff to talk about. But before we get into that, let's give our off-topic takes. I'll go first, because mine kind of goes with what you said last week, and I was just thinking about it over the week. So, last week, Parker said that he thinks that Twitter is the best social media site. Because it is. And I I would agree with that. So, my take for this week is that Snapchat is the worst form of social media. Now, I'm kind of a hypocrite when I say this because I do participate in Snapchat and I do have streaks and I do all of those things. But I still think it's the worst form. And it's because there are kids that are ruining it. Kids that are younger than me. Parker and I are, he's 19, I'm 20. So the youths of the generation. So are kids the ones. younger than us. Yes. Because I feel like it turned out, it started as like a really good thing. And, you know, it was just being able to communicate with pictures, which is fun because then you get to see people's expressions. And like I get it from the start. And then they added the chat option, and that's where everything went downhill. Because now, rather than kids texting each other, they're Snapchatting all the time. And they're communicating through Snapchat. And I feel like it's just not safe, because your chats don't save unless you do it. You Like, you have to go in and save it. And then there are kids who, rather than talking, they just send pictures of their faces to each other. Like, no words. Like, I've seen kids who are dating, quote-unquote, dating each other, and they Snapchat all day, but they don't say anything. They're just sending pictures of their faces to each other. And I don't get it. I don't understand it. Yeah, that's... I kind of agree with it. I don't know. I'm gonna, like... We're both kind of, like, in a weird generational gap to where, you know, we still get phone numbers... But then we also still ask for Snapchats. It's kind of weird. I definitely prefer using, like, text messages more than Snapchat. Exactly. And I used to be very against the whole streak thing. And now I do it because my the people who I have streaks with, they do it. So I'm like, well, I mean, I got to do it back, I guess. I don't know. It's just that's a weird thing that I'm sucked into and I do it. Now, I'm not the type of person where if I'm going to lose a streak, I'm freaking out and crying and giving someone my password so they can go save my streak. Like, I'm not that kind of person, but I do keep up with my streaks. And I talk through Snapchat sometimes, but it's normally when I'm watching something and I'm sending it normally to my friend Zach, and I'm like, oh, my God, Zach, did you see this? And I have, like, a really silly face. And then I, like, type in an actual message to him. Like, I don't think there's ever a time where I'm just sending my face to someone. Yeah, no, uh, I don't know. I had a streak with somebody once, and that's how they just kept their streaks. Like, uh, sometimes people, you know, they send one, their streak, they don't even say anything. They just send, like, a picture of their face or something, or, like, I don't know, their hand behind the steering wheel. 
and then don't say anything, which is fine. Like, that's fine, but, like, you know, it just got to a point where there was this one person I had a streak with where they would just send their face, like, every time you would send your, like, you know, send their your response, they would send one back, and it's just their face, and then they would keep doing it. Kind of, it, it kind of gets boring. It's different if it's, you, that's your one streak picture, but if you just do it all throughout the day, it's boring. Yeah, I just don't get it, and then, you know, it's really just, I'm gonna sound like an adult here, it's just really not safe. Just the fact that things, like, they go away, and then there are people who think that the thing went away, but in reality, someone screenshotted it, and now it alerts you when someone screenshots or screen records your Snapchat, which is, I think, a really good thing, so at least you know if you are sending something bad, which you shouldn't be, whoever's listening to this, don't be sending bad things on Snapchat, because that'll haunt you forever, I'm sure. Anyways, I just don't get Snapchat. I use it because... I'm a Gen X, and I feel like I'm required to socially, but that's the only reason, and if it went away tomorrow, I wouldn't be that upset. She's not Gen X. She's Gen Z, but it's oh, okay. Oh, yeah? Gen X would be like our parents. No, I'm not a Gen X. You I'm boomer. A <laughs> <laughs> my bad. It's all good. All right, well, uh, I got a little bit kind of a different thing for my off-topic take. This is Parker's way too late way in on the Popeye's Chick-fil-A debate, specifically over chicken sandwiches. Uh, now, when I was in Tampa, there was one night to where uh, nobody was really going out for dinner and there was just nothing close, so I just grub-hubbed something and I saw that Popeye's was open. This was New Year's Eve, so like nothing was open. So Popeye's was open, and so I was like, you know what? Time to figure out what all the hubbub is about. Let's get ourselves a Popeye chicken sandwich. And I was impressed, even though, you know, it wasn't, like, hot and fresh like I had just gotten it. It was still really good. And now here's the thing. It's kind of hard to compare the two because I feel like Chick-fil-A's chicken sandwich, it's just, like, its own thing. I don't think I've ever gone to any sit-down restaurant or any fast-food restaurant and gotten a chicken sandwich where it's been similar to Chick-fil-A's. If that makes sense. It's just Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches are like their own breed of things. And they do it really well. However, Popeye's chicken sandwich, for starters, I got the spicy one. And it's not a difference in the breading like at most other fast food restaurants like Chick-fil-A. It's the difference in the type of like uh, mayonnaise that they put on there. This time, you know, you can either get normal mayonnaise or like the spicy mayonnaise. And spicy mayonnaise, pretty damn good. I like it a lot. Um, it, like I said, it's just kind of like a heartier, different kind of chicken sandwich. And it's hard to compare the two. But I think looking at them objectively, I'm just going to say that Chick-fil-A's is better because it's just so unique, if that makes sense. I love them. So hopefully Madison will try one soon and then she can give her opinion. But... Yeah, that's my take on it. I know I'm like, I don't know, about three months too late on the whole debate, but it's okay. Well, well I was never in on the debate because I never tried Popeyes. And I also don't like chicken sandwiches. Oh, yeah, she's weird. She doesn't like chicken sandwiches. So, <laughs> those are our takes. So, some of the topics that we're talking about today are going to be the gymnastic season that's starting, all the new SEC coaches, and most importantly, the national championship. So we've already given our predictions on the national championship, already given our thoughts and opinions on that. 
but we record these podcasts on the weekends and then we edit them around Monday to post them on Tuesday. And we do that so we can, we don't have all the time put into Monday because now we're in school and things of that nature. However, the national championship comes out Monday night. So the plan is we're going to record the first two topics now and then as soon as the national championship ends Monday, we're going to hop on our mics again and record the end of this podcast. Yeah, that way you get more of a raw reaction too because it just kind of makes it nicer to go ahead and get it off your chest then when it's just happened and not have it sit for a week. Exactly. So we're going to hop on these next two topics and then when we start talking about the national championship, if the audio sounds different, if we sound different, when it all changes, that's because we're hopping on on a totally different day just because we feel like that's the best way to really address the topic that obviously needs to be addressed because it's the national champion. Yeah, so that'll be fun. But uh, just to kick start it off, a uh, little bit different pace here for this podcast, I feel like, uh, already. I mean, you know, just in the th- first three episodes, we mostly talk about football and basketball. But you know what? Time to 100%, you know, change gears here. Gymnastics. Now, um, Madison's been to a couple of gymnastics meets when she went to LSU, but I have rarely gone to any sporting event in college that I wasn't basically required to go to. And so this time, you know, Friday, we had some free time. So we went and we checked out a gymnastics meet. And I got to say, that's an experience for sure. It, it's, it's amazing to watch these girls do what they can do. It, it's, it's really interesting. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. I'm all about those what some people would call girly sports, I guess. I grew up doing cheerleading and color guard through band, and obviously I never did gymnastics because I'm not built for that. But I have a huge appreciation for gymnasts. I've always loved watching gymnastics, especially when I was back in cheer because they're like really similar to each other, but being able to actually go and see the girls in college, that was my favorite thing that I covered when I was at LSU and things of that nature. I'm so into, like, the Leos, the hairstyles, and then, obviously, the actual, the beam, the vault, the vars, and especially the floor routines. Floor routines are my favorite thing. Friday night at Auburn Arena when we were watching them, I probably said that to Parker five times. Yeah, I mean, there's dead silence when people are doing floor routines, which is kind of nice. I mean, you know, kind of like, you know, if you're if you're at a home arena during a basketball game and that home team is shooting free throws, that dead silence, it's that same kind of feeling. And I've just got to say, you know, it, it's, it really is magnificent to watch the girls do all of their routines and stuff because, like, you know, I can barely do, you know, jumping jacks. But, like, these girls can do, like, backflips and stuff like that and tumble all over the place. And it, it it's phenomenal. And they're really, really, really good at what they do. See, I'm more of a bars person. I don't know. Watching them, like, you know, swing around on those things is, is just, like, mesmerizing. Like, I... I I'd scrape my butt on the ground doing that, but, you know, watching them, like, do flips and then, like, launching up in the air and sticking landings and stuff like that, it's crazy. Yeah, so just a quick 
rundown, super quick rundown of how gymnastics works is that there's four sections of a gymnastics meet that each team does all four. And that's bars where you have a lower bar and a higher bar that they, as Parker said, swing around on. And they go from bar to bar and they do all of that. There's the vault where you run down and then you jump on a vault that will, you know, vault you into the air. And you do flips and you try to land it. Then there's the beam, which is the, probably the when you think gymnastics, you think of the beam, which is just a high-rise beam that's probably as wide as the girl's feet that they're walking on and doing flips on. And then there's the floor routine, which is like a giant cheerleading map where they get three passes at tumbling, I guess you could say. And they do it to, like, music, and it's super fun and upbeat and sassy. And that's why it's my favorite. So that's just kind of how it works. Mm -hmm. Judges judge how well they did out of ten. All of those scores get averaged out, and the team with the highest score wins the meet. That's how it works. Yeah. So in past seasons, the top two for gymnastics has been Oklahoma and LSU. LSU, I know, has been a runner-up. Four of the past six seasons, and they just can't seem to get the actual title. But Oklahoma's been up there, and they keep getting it. UCLA is up there. They keep getting it. And just watching these girls go through and do it, it's so fun. It's such a fun sport to watch because it's one of those where you can see their emotion so much. And I don't know. I don't want to be putting labels or anything. I don't know if that's just because they're girls and, you know, girls are more likely to show those emotions. But when you watch a football game, the only emotion that you ever see from the players is, you know, after they run into the end zone, they score a touchdown, they do the little touchdown dance, and then they all bro-hug each other. And then at the end of the game, you see everyone, you know, you dump the Gatorade on the coach, you hug each other and all of that. But that's the only emotion, I guess other than aggression, that you would see on a football team and the same kind of goes for basketball and things of that nature but with gymnastics it's such a team-centered sport even though each of the girls are judged individually what you see is while one of their teammates is up on the beam they're like intensely watching her and they're copying her moves because they all know each other's routines and as soon as that person jumps off or flips off of the beam or sticks their vault landing off of the bars or ends their floor team or whatever the team screams and they are so excited and they run and hug that girl and they give high fives and they do everything and they do that for every single girl that does everything like it is just so fun and as soon and one of the best things is once one of the girls you know she jumps off the beam and she knows that she did her performance perfectly and she just like freaks out and she's just so excited just seeing that kind of raw emotion and excitement and pride in what you just did from an athlete is one of my favorite things about watching gymnastics yeah, and something that's got to be said about the athletic ability of these people because, uh, you know, people think about high, you know, energy sports where a lot of athleticism and, you know, I guess fortitude is required. People think about, like, football where people are literally being tackled and ran into each other and, you know, dive tackled and all sorts of stuff like that. And basketball where they're sprinting across you know, a floor and jumping up in the air and trying to dodge around people. These, what these girls are doing, the, uh, not only, you know, does it require a lot of, you know, flexibility and, you know, athleticism just to be able to run fast and, you know, do all sorts of flips and stuff. 
the potential for injury in gymnastics is, I would say, just as like a casual viewer's point, I don't know if this is true mathematically speaking or not, or statistically, it is probably just as dangerous as some of these other high-contact sports because uh, if you don't land correctly, you can do something just as minor as, you know, sprain something or pull a muscle to something as major as literally snapping your legs. And everything in between, both of those things and everything in between has happened before in gymnastics meets. And just the risk for doing some of the tricks that these girls do, it, it's it's insane. But the fact that they're able to go out there and do it without injuring themselves every time they do it is absolutely incredible. I mean, these girls are honestly just as muscular as some of the football players are. I don't know. We were watching one of the girls do one of the beam routines, and when she was standing up on the beam, like getting ready to do her next like move or whatever, the way she had her leg, you could see like each muscle isolated in the leg, kind of like you know whenever a football player flexes a muscle where you can see that muscle isolation the these girls are talented and just as athletic as you know somebody who plays some of these other high contact sports exactly these girls like especially for the bar routine they probably weigh close to 170 and obviously that's all pure muscle and they are throwing themselves they're holding on to one bar that's probably like six feet off the ground and swinging and having enough momentum and core strength to throw them up four more feet to grab onto that 10 foot one and then apart from that they're like swinging around so they're standing vertical on top of this bar just like with their arm strength it's absolutely crazy it's when you think well like just going and watching it you're just like ooh, ah like that's so cool that's so pretty whenever you like sit back and think about the kind of like i can't even do a handstand on the regular ground and these people are holding on to a really skinny bar ton not tons of feet (laughs) a few feet above the air and being vertical and they hold it there for like two seconds before they go again you know Mm -hmm. it's just wild we just can't get over it I can't wait to go to so many more gymnastics meets. Oh, yeah. So you can definitely hear us, you know, giving recaps of more meets in the future, you know. As we will definitely be going to more basketball games in the future, we will definitely be going to more gymnastics meets in the future. And also got to just say, you know, as a final note for that, gymnastics fans, the people who go out to support these girls... It, just all of the feedback from the team that these girls get whenever they're done with their routines and from the fans, like, there was a very large amount of people there, especially in the student section. We got there late, and we couldn't sit in the student section because it was full. Like, and, you know, that's... It, it's sad to say it's just not something you really see in women's sports, but, I mean, you know, definitely for gymnastics, I can see just why so many people love watching the sport. I love watching the sport. That's one of my favorite things to watch whenever the uh, Olympics come around, too. So, uh, if you have never gone to a gymnastics meet, you need to do yourself the favor and go to a gymnastics meet. They are a blast to go to. They're normally about an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes, so you're not taking up too much time out of your day. So, that is... A pocket guarantee that if you go to a gymnastics meet, you're going to have a great time. 
completely agree. So, just moving on, getting into the meat of the podcast today, we're going to talk about what I call the SEC coaching carousel. I call it Coach Roulette. I don't know. We couldn't decide which one sounded better because we both thought that our owns were the best. So, take it as you wish. But, um, I don't know. This It just seems like particularly this season, coaches have been, especially in the SEC, have been fired and replaced at a pretty large amount this season. It just seemed like this was the breaking point season for a lot of SEC teams to go ahead and get rid of what they thought were uh, dead ends on their team. You know, uh, Auburn, I, I'm not sure about this one, but you know, Auburn fired their offensive coordinator, so now we've got Arkansas's old head coach, who was also fired this season, Coaches have been shuffled around quite a bit this season. So, um, you know, we asked y'all who y'all thought got the overall best hire in the SEC as far as coaches go. And, uh, Madison, what do those, uh, what are the results saying? Everyone who came back and talked to us said that the best SEC new hire was Miss State with Mike Leach. Now, I think there's four SEC teams that have gotten new head coaches, and we would be here for over an hour if we went into all of the defensive and offensive coaches that have been fired and rehired and shuffled around this season. So we're just going to focus on those four that have been brought into the spotlight, and I Mm -hmm. think that the best way to go about it is to go from least exciting to most exciting. All right, now who do you think is the least exciting? Least exciting is... I think you pronounce his name, Eliah Drinkwitz from yeah. Missouri. Well, you know, Mizzou hasn't been uh, top of their game for a while, so, you know, their athletic department thought that their head coach was the loose end that needed tying up, so he's been fired and has now been replaced by Drinkwitz. What do you think about him? I think that it's a pretty good matchup. You know, Missouri went 6-6 six and six last season. They're in the dead middle of the SEC East. Missouri also had a ban on their postseason mm-hmm. this year. So that was something that obviously hurts the team, hurts the reputation, things of that nature. So here comes... Coach Drinkwitz, he was at Appalachia State, and this was the first year that App State was able to get into the top 25. They were number 20. They went 12-1. and one. Drinkwitz is a big offensive guy. He used to be an offensive coordinator who got promoted to head coach. He was actually here for Auburn's 2010 season as the quality control assistant. I don't even really know what that means. but Me neither. He was here for a big season with Auburn. So him being an offensive guy, I feel like that's going to help. Obviously, offense is what puts up the points. I feel like Missouri's very in the middle. Obviously, they went 6-6, so that's literally dead in the middle. I feel like they have a lot of room to grow. I, I would be shocked if they ever got, you know, to the top of the SEC East. But I feel like over the next few years, they definitely have an opportunity to show a little more than what they have been showing. Yeah, I agree there. Um, you know, I, I just kind of hope that they uh, 
that the new coach will be uh, what they need. Because, you know, sometimes, I'm, I'm going to just be honest, sometimes people, athletic departments will say, all right, you know what, our head coach is the problem. We need to get a new one. And sometimes that new head coach just isn't the solution. But with his record at Appalachia State, you never know, this could be the solution. So moving along... There is Sam Pittman, who just got hired at Arkansas. Like uh, Parker said earlier, Chad Morris left or got fired from Arkansas, and he will now be the offensive coordinator at Auburn, which many people are saying will be a much better fit for him because he's a better offensive coordinator than he was a head coach. So I guess we'll see how that works out. Mm -hmm. But focusing on Sam Pittman, he was the – assistant coach and offensive coordinator for Arkansas who got promoted. He knows the team. He knows the other staff members. He's not a new guy. And being part of the Arkansas staff and just getting promoted, per se, is a much better way to be introduced to the program rather than coming in blindly. Mm -hmm. Arkansas definitely needs the most improvement out of all the teams on this list. Arkansas has won four games in the past two seasons, and none of those games were won over the SEC. It's it's really sad. I mean, I don't know. I feel like at this point everybody just kind of feels bad for Arkansas. I mean, you know, I, I want to see all of the teams in the SEC do good besides <clears throat> Bama and Georgia, but, um, you know, I feel like, you know, when it comes to conferences, everybody, there's just that camaraderie about, you know, being in the same conference. And it, it just does kind of suck to see teams like LSU, Bama, Auburn, and Georgia just flying ahead of everybody else. And these teams really just kind of struggling. So uh, I think, you know, definitely you can come in and have – a success story with a new coach like Gus Malzahn where they're just they were just a good coach and they could come in and start making immediate improvements but I think there is something to be said about having uh somebody who is already part of the coaching staff come in to be the coach so I really think that this could be the solution for Arkansas and I'm excited to keep an eye on them for the season too Yes, and before Arkansas, Pittman was at Georgia, so he already knows how the SEC works and things of that nature. So I think that Arkansas can only go up from here. I they really re- don't think they can get worse. I mean, they could win zero games. I just don't think that will happen. Yeah, I highly doubt that as well, and I really hope that they can do a little bit better just so we have, you know, a little bit more competitiveness in the SEC. Yep. I think the Hog I think Hog fans have got a little ray of hope coming in for this season. So uh that's something we'll be keeping our eye on. But next up, Ole Miss has hired Lane Kiffin to be the head coach. And now if you had asked us about two weeks ago before Mike Leach was brought in, Mike Leach is kind of the most recent hire that's, you know, kind of stirred the pot. I think everybody would have said that Lane Kiffin was the best hire as head coach for the SEC. Uh, definitely has a reputation towards him, uh, you know, but 
he is good at what he does. So I think that he is a good fit for Ole Miss, and I'm kind of excited to see what he's going to do there. What are your opinions? Oh, yeah. I love this pairing of Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. You know, Lane Kiffin, he's back in the SEC. He was assistant coach at Alabama for a while under Nick Saban, and he ultimately left that due to, you know, some stuff that us biased non-Bama people don't have to talk about. But (laughs) he went for Florida Atlantic, and he's been doing great there. He got them to be a conference champion. He's been doing outstanding. Old Miss is also one of those people who I feel like they've got to get better. There's really no way that they could get that much worse. They've had three straight seasons without a bowl game. And when they came in this season saying that they were firing their head coach, there were players that they talked about who were so upset Players stormed out of the room. There were many who expressed the feelings that if they didn't hire a whole new staff that the team was going to quit, they were going to leave. There's just a a bunch of tension that's going on at Ole Miss Mm -hmm. with the players and the staff just because they're not playing to their caliber. They're not the Ole Miss that they used to be. And I grew up in Mississippi for a lot of my life. I have a bunch of family who are Ole Miss fans, and I grew up with the Rebels even though the land sharks now, and I love the idea of a land shark being a mascot, but that's a different topic for a different day. So I think Lane Kiffin is going to do great. I think it's good that he he's been in the SEC and he knows what SEC is about, and then he took himself out of the SEC and boosted his reputation, his confidence, probably his ego a little bit at FAU, and he was able to get all of those wins and those championships and coach those boys and see what it is to be a head coach and then brought back into the SEC to apply those. So whereas with Drinkwitz, you know, you have this guy who was at a smaller college, did really well, just now being introduced to the SEC. You have Pittman, who's just getting promoted, only knows Arkansas, knows Georgia a little bit from a while ago. And now you have Lane Kiffin, who's a mixture of those two, who he's know what the SEC is about, but he also went outside of the conference to build his reputation, and now he's coming back in. I feel like he's going to do the best. Yeah, I think with Lane Kiffin, this is really going to be a buy low, sell high kind of thing. I, I really do see him turning this team into something good. I'm excited for Ole Miss. This is going to be great for them. And... Uh, as we were saying earlier, number one, uh, new hire for the SEC. Also, in the little state of Mississippi, we've got Mike Leach. What a weird guy. But, you know, he might be weird, but his coaching has definitely got uh, garnered him a good reputation. So, uh, I think that Mike is going to have a good little time at Miss State, which... Uh, Miss State's whole coaching situation is just kind of funny with uh, their old head coach's uh, comments that he made, you know, just a handful of hours before he got fired. Uh, And now they've got quite an interesting guy coming in, an inventor of a style of offensive play, quite literally. Uh, so, you know, this season is really going to be interesting just to see what Mike is going to do with, uh, with Miss State. 
I feel like all of the SEC was rooting for Mike Leach to come to the SEC. Everyone wanted to see it, and I think it's strictly because of how quirky of a person he is. We've got some really big personalities in the SEC. Just some weird guys. I mean, just in the South across the general, I mean, you know, you go uh, just in the just in general. I mean, you go up a little bit in the Carolinas, you know, Dabo's kind of a weird guy. Nick Saban is, you know, probably referred to as a god in the state of Alabama amongst his fans. You've just got some really interesting characters. Coach O. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Everyone, I think up until this point, I feel like a bunch of people would say that Coach O was the most out there coach of the SEC. But he still makes sense where he is. Like, yeah, he's weird if you aren't from Louisiana and you don't really understand all those things. But for the people who are in Louisiana and know Louisiana culture... He's just your next-door neighbor, really. Yeah, he really is just your typical southern Louisiana guy. And now we've got somebody who is truly just kind of weird, not just weird to everybody but LSU people, you know, just to a certain group of people. This is weird. He's the pirate. A uh, weird story behind why they call him the pirate. I guess he just he just likes pirate stuff, I think. Yeah, that's it. He just... Always talks about how much he likes pirates. Uh, supposedly his office has a bunch of pirate stuff in it. And that's literally all there is to it. And uh, if you go, you should do yourself a favor. Google funniest Mike Leach quotes. He says the damnest stuff just in general. Like, I was about to say in conferences, but like just in general, this guy says some weird crap. Yeah, so just to get into the actual athletics of who Mike Leach is because (laughs) all that everyone can focus on is just how weird he is. But he was at Washington State for the past eight years. A long time to be a head coach somewhere. Exactly. And Washington State, they've been really good for where they are. They've been a really good Pac-12 team. He was one of the inventors. A bunch of people say he was the inventor. Some people will say that he was just one of. Whatever you want to take it. He was one of the first coaches to use the air raid offensive system which is a 75% passing system that doesn't huddle, and it splits the O-line up. And it's been really good for him, especially in this last year. His former quarterback at Washington State is the one quarterback who has a higher passing yardage than Joe Burrow. So this kid has like 400-something average a game. Joe Burrow has like 370 average a game. Joe Burrow has 55 touchdowns this season, and this kid had 48. Like, the passing offense that he's been putting up is already competing with LSU, who obviously, a totally non-biased position here, had the best passing of all the SEC this year. I mean, it is just non-objective facts there. LSU really did. I what I think I've, I'm really excited to see where how well that's going to hold up in the SEC if he's going to try to keep, you know, doing his air raid style offense, you know, in the SEC. Because here's the thing, in the SEC, you got to have a good defense down here. And defense is everything when it comes to some of these bigger teams like Auburn's defense. I really want to see how well this air raid style is going to go against 
a defense like Auburn's because Auburn's is really good. Auburn's defense is really good about stopping people in their tracks. And uh, with this air raid offense, uh, from what I've gathered, is the O-line kind of splits up instead of making a solid line. And, you know, when you've got a good SEC defense, they're going to barrel forward and knock over anything in their path to try to stop the quarterback. Because, you know, down here in the South, we love we love our sacks. It, it's, it's just facts. You know, when people look at defensive players like greats, how many sacks do they have? That's a big thing. So... I'm really excited to see how he's going to try to make it work or if he's going to try something completely different as a head coach in an SEC team. And where he is, Miss State wasn't really, I guess, doing the worst comparatively to like Missouri or Ole Miss. Definitely not doing as good as some of the other SEC teams. But, you know, I'm really excited to see what he's planning on doing with this. And uh, I think only time will tell with what all Mike Leach is going to be able to do for Miss State. Yeah, in my personal opinion, I feel like the best hire out of the four is Lane Kiffin, just based on his resume and where he has been and where he's going. The only thing that makes me cautious of saying that is the fact that Mike Leach coming in, he has he's won, he's winning the hearts. He All of the players are excited because everyone wanted him here. Miss State fans are excited because everyone wanted him in the SEC. All of the SEC is excited that March Le- Mike Leach is part of the SEC. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of it is coming in and having that social reputation. And he's coming in just because he's an oddball. Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm also still kind of on the Lane Kiffin train just because Lane Kiffin is a Chad and I am – I think he's going to do good <laughs> with this SEC experience. Also, the guy, I don't know, that that is the definition of Chad, dude. And you've seen him with, like, the pictures with him with his visor and his uh, AirPods. This, this guy's a hoss. But, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see, especially with those two coaches, what all is going to happen with the SEC next year. I'm already so excited for the Egg Bowl. These oh two my, coaches I, going against each I other. I didn't even think about that. The Egg Bowl, I, with historically, like, you know, just how bad or not good these teams have been the past couple of seasons, the Egg Bowl has still been interesting. Like, this year's Egg Bowl was wild. Everybody knows why, you know, with the old, uh, old piss coming in and uh, ruining the game for themselves. I cannot wait now. Now that I didn't even think about the Egg Bowl. Oh, my God, you're right. I, I'm now I am so excited to watch Lane Kiffin go head to head with Mike Leach with brand new SEC teams of theirs at their disposal and duke it out for a bowl win. That's gonna be awesome. So if your butts aren't parked in front of a TV on Thanksgiving next year, you are wrong. I know. I'm I think that is what everyone's most excited about. And I'm not trying to, you know, push Mizzou and Arkansas out of the picture because I think that their hires are good. I think it's going to elevate the team. But I feel like Ole Miss and Miss State, they have a small chance of jumping very high up very quickly. It's small because that doesn't really happen where like a coach comes in and it immediately is good. But they have a higher chance than Mizzou and Arkansas. 
and I'm just excited for what those coaches are going to do, all four of them. I'm excited to get good coaches in the SEC, keeping the SEC number one because we are SEC biased here. That's something that we're going to stick to, I'm sure. And I just can't wait for all of this to go down next season. Yeah, so uh, that almost wraps it up for uh, this segment. Uh, you know, we'll be coming back later with our um, Natty predictions, but you know, surprise topic here. I didn't put this on the run sheet, but I think we've got to talk about it. Uh, so we are recording this on Sunday, and for us, Saturday, there was a very interesting football game that came on TV, and that is the Titans versus the Ravens. Now, the Ravens, at the time, were the number one seed, Titans being the number six, because they had recently just beat, by a hair, the Patriots, and um, we were chilling out, uh, I was just chilling on uh, the couch, and then Madison walked in, she was in the other room, she had seen the score, and this was about third quarter, and she turns on the TV, flips it over to the channel, and the Titans were already up by like eight points, and from that point on, it just continued to go up, and the Ravens hardly close that gap whatsoever and you know obviously we got to give a lot of credit to Derek Brown for all the work he did not Derek Brown Derek Henry my bad Derek Henry for his incredible work that evening it was a very shocking game for everybody to say the least Madison what are your opinions I'm so confused I think we all are confused. I'm confused. I don't know how this is happening. That being said, I'm excited that it is happening. Me too. Last night we saw, you know, Derrick Henry. He's a running back. He's been a running back since Alabama. And last night he made a pass play for a touchdown. What? So I really don't know what the Titans are pulling here. I we No one understood how they beat the Patriots. And now they stomped. The number one Ravens, who majority of people, including myself, midway through season, thought the Ravens were going to win the Super Bowl. And now we're going to watch the Titans in the AFC Championship. And like Parker said, we're recording this on Sunday, so we don't have any of the other stats going on right now. We know that the 49ers won. That was really no surprise. So we'll have to talk about those championships possibly next week. But I just don't. I'm really speechless at it. I am. I mean, you know, I we went to church. I got home and I pulled up Google and the first recommended article that I got was um, Ravens in shock as Lamar Jackson falters, team collapses, and Super Bowl aspirations are stomped. And you know what? That just about sums up that game last night. I mean, it, it was just pitiful. They finally got a touchdown in the fourth quarter, their second touchdown of the game. And they went for a two-point conversion, which they needed to, incomplete pass. They didn't get it. They've scored two touchdowns with no extra points, and that's the only points the Ravens had for that entire game, whereas the Titans won by just a very high margin. It's shocking, to say the least. And I think that's just what makes football so fun because, you know what, you can... Say, statistically, you've got this five-star guy. This team's been doing so good. 
in the past, but you know what? It You really just have to wait for the football game to know what's going to happen because sometimes you get a Titans versus Ravens game where the Titans win and get one step closer to a Super Bowl title. Um, I think I can speak for the both of us here when I'm saying that we are fully pulling for the Titans of Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, 100%. I want to see this happen. I think that it's just crazy, and I really want to see it happen. I am jumping on the bandwagon. Tighten up, mm-hmm. baby. Let's go. Yeah, uh, this is a pocket guarantee. If um, the Titans win the Super Bowl, or you know what? Here, I'm going to change that. If the Titans get to the Super Bowl, I will buy a piece of Titans merch. Oh my god! I'll I'll put I'll put it on the Instagram and the Twitter for y'all. But that's a that's if a they guarantee. get to it or if they win it. If they get to it, I will buy a piece of merch, and then if they win it, I will buy like a. I'll buy another piece of merch. I will <laughs> buy two pieces of Titans merch possibly by the end of what February. So. so as soon as the end of the AFC Championship ends, if the Titans win, you have to order it so you can wear it for the Super Bowl. Yeah, awesome. like a T-shirt or something. I'll, I, I and then I'll post it for y'all, and uh, I will wear my Titans shirt very proudly so, for Super Bowl night. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Pocket Sports to see that update as that's going along. But for now. We're going to jump into the future, see how future Madison is holding up after this national championship. What will happen? We don't know. So the final verdict is that future Madison, now present Madison, and as you're listening to this, past Madison is very excited. Uh, So is past, present, future Parker. Uh, What a game. I don't know. it, it It had a lot of ups and downs. But, uh, I mean, overall, I think both these teams played uh, pretty good. Uh, it was definitely nice to see a national championship where uh, there wasn't a Crimson team in there. But uh, that's just my own opinion. But, uh, yeah, it was it was a good game. Yeah, that's just Parker being biased again. But what an incredible game. This is the first time that LSU's been down since early October. Joe Burrow went in and broke four separate records. The band played neck. All of the things happened. LSU were national champs again. And I'm just over the moon. Yeah, I mean, starting out didn't look too good. It was looking a little bleak there for LSU with uh, them being down by 10. And then they just came back and uh, doubled what Clemson had on the board, basically, in the end. And uh, I got, I just got to say the respect that Coach O and the player have, uh, players have for uh, – not going for that last touchdown, even though they were, I don't know, like, what, 10 yards away, you know, right at the very end. I think that was a respectful move. So, uh, you know, kudos to uh, the Tigers on their part for that. But, uh, yeah, a great game. So that's it. LSU's national champs. Next week we'll talk a little bit more about the actual stats and how the game went down. But that's all for this week. Go Tigers, and we'll see you all next week. All right, see you next week. Don't forget to uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Pocket Sports, and we will see you all next week.